This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. You're listening to TGI Sports Talk with your host, Keith Angle, on Northeast Streaming Sports. Everybody, Keith Angle for TGI Sports Talk College Football Huddle. How are you tonight? Hope you're all doing well. Pasty holiday blues. It's a tough time of year, right? Listen, I want to welcome uh, everybody uh, on the Roku channel. They'll uh, see this uh, not live tonight, but we'll be on at noontime. You'll be seeing this noontime on Thursdays. Uh, the college uh, football huddle, TGI Sports Talk College Football Huddle. Uh, a little bit about the show. We've we've covered college football uh, nuts to bolts uh, uh, through the season, uh, right through uh, now, and, and the final coming up on uh, Monday night with Georgia and Alabama and the All SEC rematch. And uh, we're going to probably uh, segue a little bit into college basketball, probably as we uh, go through the coming weeks, but. Uh, we welcome everybody on Roku. This will be our first uh, show to air live on Roku, but we'll also have uh, TGI Sports Talk. Are you serious? With my co-host, uh, the Mad New Yorker, Carlos Chavez, who could be in uh, tonight, commenting on on the show tonight, and uh, also our Sunday stream of consciousness, uh, which airs uh, uh, on Roku. It'll air at noon, I believe, on Sundays. And are you serious? Will air, I think, eleven on Fridays, but. There'll be a lot of other content, too. I do a weekly vlog, which you can check out on the On Demand uh, Center, and you can also check out some interviews that I've done uh, both in the past and, and coming up in the future. And we welcome you all. And again, I want to thank the groups that allow me to share this because you guys have been tremendous. And all of you, including Rick Sherlock, happy hump day to you, uh, Rick, our resident Georgia Bulldog fan. Not the only one, uh, but the... Uh, Certainly our most vocal one, I would say. So welcome, Rick. Um, and thank you to all of you that do watch uh, either live or or later on. And those of you, again, that will watch uh, uh, on Roku. And don't forget, we'll still air live on Facebook and uh, Twitter and YouTube and all the places that we have up until now. So, guys, tonight, uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, Mark Mancini has a prior obligation, and so does uh, Jim Beringer. So, I will be winging it for a little while on my own and uh, with you guys and, and and following up with your comments. I'll talk a little bit about uh, the semifinals, a, a couple of bowl game, other game, bowl games that I found interesting, and we'll certainly look ahead to the final. Um, and we'll talk about some other some other topics, a little bit of transfer portal news, uh, some exceptional coaching jobs that I've uh, kind of I've identified myself. Uh, from this year, maybe a look ahead at next year and some teams, some rumors about Jim Harbaugh going back to the NFL. And we'll have Larry Sorensen, which I know Rick will be happy, one of Rick's uh, favorite. Uh, there you go. Uh, Larry will be back tonight at eight, at 745, I believe, uh, Rick. He's actually uh, at a 
uh, show in, in Chicago, I believe. So yeah, I'm not sure what setting we'll see uh, Larry joining us. But Larry Sorensen, the color analyst for Wake Forest, will join us. And we'll talk about the Wake Forest Bowl game and the, you know, the unfortunate situation where they did not get to play the scheduled matchup with Texas A&M and then had to play a five and seven Rutgers game. I want to talk about Larry about what kind of, you know, whether that was a letdown for the Wake Forest squad. I mean, they certainly won the game handily and did not show any, you know, any signs of a letdown. But it had to be a bit of a letdown, I would think, for the school to to get to a, a good bowl game in the Gator Bowl and and a good season playing against a certainly not even mediocre Rutgers team. We'll talk to Larry about that. We'll talk to him about Tim about some of the other coaching changes in the ACC. Mostly, uh, I think all the coaching changes were in the Coastal Division, so not Wake Forest Division. But we'll talk to him about that. Some of the uh, uh, portal gains some of the schools uh, have had. Uh, Wake Forest has got some kids that have entered the portal, but I, don't, I think they've only signed one. Um, they've hired a new defensive coordinator at Wake Forest, and uh, we'll also talk about Michigan as Michigan is. Uh, Larry's alma mater, and we'll talk to him about Michigan's season, the disappointing uh, showing in the semifinal a little bit, and also potentially maybe Jim Harbaugh's uh, future. Is it in Michigan, or will it be back in the NFL? So lots to talk about there. Let's jump in. Let's just talk real quick. I want to just recap the finals again. And again, we ended up with not <laughs> happens every year, not the best games. I mean, the best teams won. Uh, look at, I was pulling for, for Cincinnati. We all know that. Um, but as much because they were an underdog and I thought they deserved an opportunity. And I do not think that they didn't equate themselves in a fine fashion. The game was close until uh, the fourth quarter. Uh, Cincinnati had some chances. Uh, I talked about a little bit on the Sunday show. A couple of drives early in the game. Uh, Luke Fickle decided to uh, settle for field goals where they could have gone and got aggressive and gone for uh, first downs and potentially scored touchdowns. And I really believe that was the only way they were going to beat Oklahoma um, was to put them on the defensive and get out early. And that, that hurt Cincinnati. Um, Early in the game, I think they could have set a stronger tone, a more aggressive tone, and potentially changed the 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 tone of that game. But they didn't do it, and you know would have, could have, should have, and it didn't work out. Alabama's certainly not a bad football team, but not the Alabama's uh, the Alabama teams that we've come to know and, and hate or love, depending on your your uh, affiliations. Um. But you know what? It's a team with some pretty good players, and Bryce Young certainly the Heisman Trophy winner. Not a big game for Bryce Young here. He did throw for three touchdowns, but only 181 yards. Um, it, but Alabama's rushing game was just too much for uh, for Cincinnati. 301 yards rushing, tough. You can't. It, it's hard to beat that. You know, you control the clock. You control everything in those situations. And the Cincinnati defense, while they equated themselves well, I thought, early in the game, they did not uh, – we're not able to withstand that because Cincinnati could not sustain drives. And 
a guy that I've really talked up a lot in Desmond Ritter because he's a he's a senior, uh, 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 a seasoned veteran, uh, if you will, on the college level, uh, did not perform well. Threw for only 144 yards, uh, 17 of 29, I think. Could not sustain drives. I mean, they did not play well, as I said, and and converting third downs and and keeping drives alive. And that did not keep the Cincinnati defense off the field. And that led to Alabama just, I mean, look, at they dominated in the statistical sense in this game. But, again, they didn't pull away really until the fourth quarter. Cincinnati was in this game. They were a score away from getting back in the game well into the fourth quarter, and that was uh, they weren't able to capitalize, and that's, at the end of the day, it's a great Cincinnati. It's still a great year for Cincinnati. A great three-year run for this team and Luke Fickle and seniors, uh, uh, well, seniors and guys that are leaving uh, that aren't seniors, uh, such as uh, like Ritter's leaving. Uh, he's been there, but he's been a veteran there the whole three years. Uh, Jerome Ford, who didn't have a horrible game, uh, ran for 77 yards on just 15 carries. He'll be declaring for the draft, I believe, um, as well as uh, they're going to lose their two best uh, defensive players in uh, Sanders. And uh, I'm trying to think of oh, Gardner, Mod Gardner, is also going to declare for the draft. So it's going to be a, interesting to see what Cincinnati does next year. Uh, we'll see how good a coach Luke Fickle is as there's a lot of key pieces to replace here. And some of it will have to be done through the portal, which is certainly a great way to do it now. Again, everybody's a free agent every year. Um, and I, I like it and I don't like it. Uh, but I, you know, I'm confident Luke Fickle will keep this team relevant. And again, they've only got another couple of years and they'll be moving to the Big 12. So this team has got to find a way back. So... Again, an interesting uh, an interesting matchup. We wanted to see how Cincinnati would do. They were carrying the hopes of of all the Group of Five teams uh, that came before them uh, that didn't get a chance, and the ones that will come after them that hope to get a chance. And we'll t- we'll maybe take a look if we have a chance. Uh, maybe uh, after our Larry Sorensen interview to kind of look ahead at next year and and maybe try to pick out who the Cincinnati will be next year. Um, so anyway, that's semifinal number one, semifinal number two, which I'm sure Rick has some interest in the Georgia Bulldogs, I feel thoroughly dominated worse or more, I should say, than Alabama dominated Cincinnati, Georgia rebounded from that horrible off that horrible effort against, uh, 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 Alabama a few, uh, a month ago, five weeks ago, whatever it might be. They got ahead 14-0 here in the first couple of possessions in the first quarter. It was 27-3 at halftime. The game was basically over. Stetson Bennett played very well, efficient. Something to think about as we go into the fourth, the to the final. Uh, Stetson Bennett has a better passing, passer rating than Bryce Young. He doesn't have all the numbers yardage-wise and touchdowns-wise. But his rating is better. So that'll be interesting to see. He played well in this game. You know, the running game was efficient, and a lot of guys, you know, touched the football in this offense. 
And uh, let me see, Rick's got a comment here. Let's see what Rick's got here for us. Unfortunately, this game was uh, what the casual fan uh, is what the casual fan saw Cincinnati play. Unfortunately, this game is what the casual fan saw Cincinnati play. I'm not really sure. Um, maybe you can elaborate a little, Rick, because I'm I'm a little I'm a little slow tonight. So. What else in this? Uh, J.J. McCarthy for Michigan in this, in this uh, again, back to the semifinal. J.J. McCarthy, not very good. 7-17, seven 131 yards. But uh, J. and uh, oh, I'm sorry, Cade, Mc, <laughs> Cade McNamara was uh, actually the starter, and he threw two interceptions. McCarthy actually came in to replace him. I uh, got a little ahead of myself there. Uh, but again, just not a good effort. And 91 yards rushing for Georgia. We talked about it, and Rick hit this one dead on. Uh, when I talked about uh, the, lead, the preview leading up to this game, that Michigan, what they did was run the football, and that's what they were going to do. And I said, and, and Rick had said, I, I should say, that, that they'd be playing right into Georgia's strength. But that's how you got to win these games a lot of times. Your strength has got to be better than theirs. And Turned out that Georgia's strength outweighed the strength of Michigan by far. Uh, so that forced him to have to throw the ball. And when Cade, when Cade McNamara has to throw the football, he is not, you know, an elite quarterback. He's a good good game manager, has been all year, and uh, and it ended here. Unfortunately for them, it was just not a good showing. Thirty four. By the way. 34 to 11 in my mind. I don't think the game was that close. Didn't feel that close. We got another comment here. I know the comments are, are lagging behind, so it's a little hard. So sometimes, and for you viewers who might catch us for the first time on uh, on Roku, you know, we do take a lot of uh, comments from the uh, from the audience. So sometimes I've got to back up a little bit, and I try to I try to uh, not get too uh, back. Uh, too far back. So anyway, Billy Pulver says, lucky for Cincinnati that Bama was asleep for three quarters. Bill, that's unfair, again, as always, to say. Bama didn't play that badly in the first three quarters. They just didn't. Cincinnati did not play well in the first three quarters, and we're still in the game. Let's look at that. Let's not forget that. Everybody wants to discount Cincinnati and say, the only time they ever did well is when people didn't play well. You know, let's... You know, let's let's call it what it is. And sometimes when teams, when it, you think people are sleepwalking or not playing well, there are factors the other team's doing that cause that. Cincinnati's defense played well for the better part of this game until they really just, you know, got worn out, as I said. I know we're backing up a game, and that's fine. Um. But again, I, this wasn't about Alabama sleepwalking for three quarters. Cincinnati's a good football team, and they didn't get it done. That's all. Alabama, a better football team? Yep. Please, don't tell me Alabama wasn't interested. If Alabama wasn't interested, and I'm gonna, I, I've had these comments before, you know, about, you know, and I think Nick Saban is the best coach in the history of college football. Let me just start there before I say things that may seem derogatory to Nick Saban. Because if you're going to tell me that Alabama struggled this year at times against bad football teams like LSU and Florida, really bad football teams, 
and lost to Texas A&M with a backup quarterback, if you're going to tell me that it's because they weren't up for the games, well, then that's Nick Saban's fault. And Nick Saban is not a team, a coach that doesn't have his team up to play games. So I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to let that one. I'm not going to let that one pass actually. So, but it is what it is. Again, did the better football team win in the end? Yeah, they did. I'm going to, Rick, I'll come back. We, we kind of backed up. So I saw your comment about Hutchinson. We'll get there. Um, if Alabama blows out Georgia, well, you know, Anthony and welcome Anthony tonight and welcome to you, Billy, too. Sorry, I, I kind of jumped on you before I said hello, but good evening. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being here, Anthony. Um, I, look, at I don't think the outcome of this game really determines whether we should expand the playoff or not. It is, the, the, the playoff needs to expand no matter what happens here. There needs to be a wider pool of teams with a chance to win national championships. Again, the SEC is dominating. The SEC is going to get a bunch of at-large bids, whatever happens, most likely. Um, and you could still end up with the same result. There's no, you know, just because I want to expand the playoff does not mean I don't think we'd still end up right where we were now. And by the way, you'll, I'll tell you here later with my picks, but Alabama's not blowing Georgia out of this game. Alabama and Georgia are, are there's, there's a reason that that uh, Georgia is a three-point favorite here, even after getting beaten badly by Alabama a month ago. I think it was just an off night. I really do. And I think Kirby Smart probably learned. Hello to Nikki Delaney up in the state of Washington tonight. How are you? Anyway, let's finish up and, and continue to make the comments. We'll jump back and forth between these games. It's certainly fine. Um. I want to get back to uh, the Michigan. Let's get back to the Michigan game here. Rick's talking about the O-line. Took Hutchinson out of the game. and, and <laughs> Very good point. Hutchinson projected as a potential number one pick in the draft. Really good defensive player. You know, just because he didn't play well uh, last Friday does not mean that Hutchinson is not a really, really good football player and probably will be a star on the next level but that shows you how good that offensive line of Georgia is. And uh, Rick, Rick is uh, right on to point that out for sure. And uh, Bennett's end of half clock management pissed. Yeah, yeah, look at Bennett is not all world quarterback, right? And that's going to be why they need to really, I think, get keep – they need to rush the football certainly better than they did um, – uh, against Alabama the first time, and they need to kind of run it. They they had a very effective and, and efficient running game uh, here uh, against uh, Michigan, and uh, you got to keep the pressure off of Bennett because he's not a guy who can help you, and and the coach has got to help him in this uh, clock management thing as well. And clock management is so important in the game of football, and it's amazing to me how many coaches don't get it. They don't coach it, which is why Bennett and and players like Bennett struggle with it. Um, actually, let me uh, do something here real quick since we're chatting about this topic here. Um, you know, look, you see it on every level. You see it at the top level of, of college football. You see it in the pros. Andy Reid, one of the best coaches in football in my mind. His clock management through his career has been atrocious. 
And it's so important to be able to manage that clock at both ends of the half, or, you know, end of game and end of half. Uh, and and Bennett really has – he struggled with that certainly in this game, and he cannot afford those types of mistakes against Alabama. Uh, what else did we take away from this game? Rick with a very good point about the the Georgia offensive line taking him, taking Hutchinson out of this game. Uh, he had just four tackles the entire day, um, one pass defensed. Uh, I'm sorry, one uh, tackle for a loss, and uh, not his normal, typical day for sure. What else we got here? Billy's got a hope. Uh, Bama. Bull- I think it will be a close game, Billy. Uh, I feel like uh, again, Georgia's a three-point favorite. Um, why don't we jump right into that? Seven twenty already. If you guys got some comments you want to continue here on the uh, semifinals, we can certainly jump backwards, and we'll have the whole. You know, we'll have the last twenty minutes of the show to do comments as well after Larry. Larry's appearance at 745. We got a lot to cover with Larry tonight. We'll make keep him a little bit longer depending on his schedule. He is on the road, uh, as they say. Look at the final. It's a rematch. Anthony is alluding to the fact that people don't want to see this anymore, and that's why we need a college football playoff. Look at let's not forget. Look at there's no bigger proponent than me for a college football playoff expansion. But if we had eight teams, 12 teams, 16 teams, there's certainly a better than good possibility still would ended up back here with Georgia and Alabama in the final. They're the best two teams in the country. That's much as obvious right now. Alabama put a whooping on Georgia. And while this is not Nick Saban's best team, Nick Saban is doing his usual good job of coaching and has them in a position to uh, – to uh, you know, win a national championship with one, not not one of his best squads. I don't think it'll happen. The odds makers are telling you they don't think it'll happen. Now again, the odds are the odds. You know, the the point spread is for one thing. Let's not forget, it isn't because people in Vegas think Georgia's necessarily three points better than Alabama. All they care about is getting a, the equal amount of money bet on both sides of this game. And that's why this game's a three-point uh, Georgia uh, uh, spread. Now, with that said, I do feel it does say that they think Georgia's a better football team because if I, they were worried about getting money on Georgia – from the casual better, from, from you know, whoever, they would have installed Bama as a favorite to get the money bet on Georgia. But the money is not there. Hello, Dave Guyette. Good evening to you tonight. What's Mickey got to say here? Uh, yeah, well, we had fun with the pick That was the professional uh, games, but, you know, I don't know what these – Anybody know what these bots coming in the rooms are now all the time? We get them every show. And plus, I see them elsewhere on other uh, uh, shows I've guessed it on. So I just block them and hope for the best. So off they go. Um, what's Billy got here? Sable will make no excuses for a loss, and he shouldn't. He shouldn't. Nick Saban is, I'll tell you what, and again, just like Bill Belichick, 
who's a very close friend of Saban's. Uh, you know, they certainly respect each other. They're they're much alike, and and people hate them. Look at they hate them for the same reasons. They're winners. Um, Saban won't make excuses. Saban's a tough coach to play for. Um, and people don't like him because they don't want to see him every year in a in a final. Well, you know what? As I said for years, as a Patriot fan, if you want to, if you're tired of seeing my team. Tell your team to get better. You know, the SEC has had to get better to compete with Nick Saban. And they have gotten better. Georgia with Kirby Smart. Look at Kirby Smart's a good coach. Georgia's had a really good team. He's 0 for 4 against his former uh, employer, Nick Saban. Doesn't mean he's not a good football coach. And it doesn't mean that he chokes against. Um, uh, ch- chokes against uh, uh, his former mentor, let's say. Although Kirby Smart, as we said earlier, you talked to uh, Rick, you talked about Bennett having some clock management uh, issues. Kirby Smart's had some clock management issues uh, late in games with a chance to win against Alabama um, that are fairly well documented. So, but it doesn't, it doesn't take away from the fact that Kirby Smart is a really good coach. So, but Nick Saban is the best coach in college football history. There's no doubting that. I don't think. And will he make excuses? No. And he is professionally when he's winning. He, this guy, look at, he's just good at what he does. And I started talking about Alabama. Uh, I started talking about the SEC getting better, and it is getting better. Florida's down, but Florida makes a change. Dan Mullen was not up to recruiting against the Kirby Smarts, the Nick Sabans of this conference. Arkansas's made a good move and gotten better. You know, they 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 did a tremendous job uh, with the hiring of their new head coach last year, two years ago, Sam Pittman. And they've made great strides. Lane Kiffin has got Mississippi heading in the right direction. A great year this year. Mike Leach at Mississippi State, really good coach. Who am I missing in that league who's gotten better? You know, the league has gotten, you know, below Alabama and Georgia, who are still the best teams in the conference, and again, the best teams in the country. They've The, the league has slowly gotten better below them. Tennessee with a good year. Kentucky much better. South Carolina's heading in the right direction with Shane Beamer. A&M with Jimbo Fisher is a big disappointment, but I think they'll rebound here at some point. Let's see what we got here. Good evening, Alan. How are you today? People ask how Al, uh, SET, SE, oh boy, wow. SEC teams play Bama so well. If they keep going to the title game, so they can game plan better. They're built in a way to, to counter them. Well, look at Nick Saban. Look at this league. Here's another one. The bots are out tonight. Let me tell you. Um, Nick Saban can't coach forever. College football, as a rule, has been cyclical in far, as far as power conferences and who, which conferences dominate at which times. Now, we certainly are in a very long, like 15 or 
15, 16, 17 years of dominance by the SEC. But before that, you know, you would have four or five years of, of dominance by the Big Ten or the Pac-12 or the SEC or the old Southwest Conference, the Big 12. You know, so it's cyclical and it will come around. And Nick Saban is just a tremendous football coach. And when Nick Saban goes, I guarantee you Alabama will have a step back. They will have a step back because they did. When Bear Bryant retired, they were not, they had some good years. But you're talking about 25 years. I can't do math very well. 20 years um, or more. Maybe it is 25 years before Nick Saban got there where they went through coaches right and left. Shula. Uh, du Bois. Perkins. Gene Stallings had some success, won a national championship. And I'm missing a bunch of guys. But they tried forever to replicate the Bear Bryant uh, era, and they could not get there until they got the guy who was the next Bear Bryant and surpassed Bear Bryant as far as excellence goes, and that's Nick Saban. And when he goes, this team will come back to earth a bit. NFL drafts, college recruits, colleges have the advantage for dominance in uh, my P review. Colleges have an advantage. What um, Are we talking about Alabama still? Big schools are always going to have an advantage, but I'm going to tell you something right now. And we're kind of moving into a little bit to the next topic, but um, the NIL – is going to level the playing field a little bit. I wasn't sure what was going to happen with this, but you saw it, uh, you know, with Deion Sanders being able to get the number one recruit in the early recruiting uh, uh, stages to go to Jackson State. The NIL money is is going to help these group of five, and Jackson State's not even playing in the FBS one, right? So, um. Some of these schools are going to be able to, to get on a better level playing field with some of the, uh, the the powerhouses. Do I think they're going to dominate year to year? No. But you're going to see teams pop up every year that have, you know, that are going to have two or three year runs like Cincinnati, like UCF uh, did a few years ago. You may see Houston go on a run like that, for instance. Um, and I'm sure there's some other schools that we could probably talk about. But it's going to level a playing field because if I'm going to be a guy that's going to be the, you know, the, I could be a, a first round NFL pick, but I'll be the third string offensive lineman at Alabama. I can go somewhere else and get real money and play. Only six PCF finals have been decided by six points or less in the last 24 years. It is time for a nail butter, but I guess, you know, it's funny. We all want we all want a playoff, and me included. But it seems the teams, well, this would maybe change that. The teams that aren't in the playoff now, the games are much better. The Utah-Ohio State game was a great game. Uh, the Notre Dame-Oklahoma State game was a great game. Although Notre Dame gave up 30 unanswered points to end up losing that game. But still a good football game. I think Utah is one of the big winners in this whole bowl, uh, this whole year's bowl uh, 
uh, schedule myself. Oh, let's see. <laughs> let's hope so. I, I look at. I think it's possible. I don't. Yeah, I, I mentioned this at the top. We'll talk. I'm going to talk a little bit with Larry, Larry Sorensen uh, after we talk about the ACC a bit, uh, Billy. About this, there are there are some some growing. Uh, the voices are getting louder. The whispers are getting louder about Harbaugh potentially, you know, maybe feeling he's gone as far as he can go at Michigan after this great season they had. Um, and maybe considering returning to the pros, uh, the Raiders are talked about, the Bears are talked about. The Raiders, are, you know, both of them would be good situations for him with with quarterbacks in place. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see whether that happens. Some people are saying the Vikings. I'm sure they'll come up, um, Rick, uh, without a doubt. I, I, look at with the year he's had. If he wants to go back to the NFL, he's 58 years old. He may have reached his, uh, you know, the, he may have gone as far as he can go at Michigan. He may feel like, you know, it's just not going to be in the cards for him to win a national championship there. Um. And it might be time to move on back to the NFL and shoot for a Super Bowl, which is probably easier to win than a national championship as long as you're playing against the SECs of the world. And while you're 58 years old, the SEC, by the time they're not dominating Alabama, Georgia's, and maybe the teams I just mentioned coming up behind them. Um, that's okay, Bill. You don't have to be here for every second. I, I understand. But thanks for being here now. Um, but we are, we were going to talk about it more anyway. You know, he may feel that it's going to be easier when a Super Bowl, maybe if he can get back to the NFL, which um, look at, I, I have no doubts that he'll finish his, he will not finish his career at Michigan and he'll be an NFL coach again, if not this year, then, then potentially the year after. Listen, back to the final before we run out of time and Larry gets here. We'll, we'll pick up some of this stuff afterwards as well. There's some other stuff I wanted to chat about. If we don't get to it, we don't get to it. It's not a big deal. You guys are a, a big part of what we do here, and I love going getting the back and forth here. So Allen's got Vegas would be a good team for him to go for. Uh, they're already borderline playoff team. Uh, they may be a playoff team this year, uh, Allen, for sure. Uh, and they do have a quarterback in place. Um. As to Chicago and and a different situation because they've got a young quarterback and and Carr's been around a while in Vegas, so two situations that are good, uh, potentially good situations for uh, Harbaugh and the Vikings. Who knows? I mean, they could get in the mix there as well. Back to the final, real quick. This game's a three point uh, game, as we talked about. Um. I just think I just I, I feel like what we saw in the first game was a bit of an aberration and 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 Georgia maybe uh, was feeling the effects of not um, not having uh, I hate to I, I don't want to belittle other teams or or even belittle Alabama necessarily, but they didn't really ha get pushed that much during the regular season. And they kind of got away from what they do best early in that game, fell behind, and things didn't go well. Things just kind of snowballed. And maybe, you know, they needed that wake-up call. 
Unfortunately, they knew they weren't they were in the playoff either way. And I'm not saying they weren't up ready to play that game because Kirby Smart's got to be just itching, you know, to beat uh, Nick Saban in Alabama. He hasn't been able to do it so far, but neither has any of his other uh, disciples. Nobody can seem to beat him. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in this game. I don't expect Brian Robinson to be able to run for 200 yards again against uh, Georgia. So if, you, if you're going to go off what you saw in the semifinals, what you saw out of Georgia might be more, um, more emblematic of what you might see in the final than what you saw from Alabama. Stetson Bennett needs to play solid quarterback, not makes mistakes, not make clock management mistakes like Rick pointed out earlier. And they need to control that ground game and keep keep Murray from just going off. Or Young, sorry, Murray. Where did I get Murray from? Sorry, I was thinking about Kyler Murray. <laughs> keep keep Young from going off. And they need to run to be able to they need to be able to run the football, control the line of scrimmage. Again, we saw the way they dominated that offensive line did. It'll be a little harder. There's probably there's probably more uh depth on the on the Alabama front than there was on the Michigan front in my mind. Henderson's a great player, but he's not going to be out there all by himself. And I think he might be a better player than than Hutchinson, to be honest with you. So it's gonna be very interesting to see what happens in this game. Again, we talk about it every week. Control the line of scrimmage, you win this game. I think that's what's going to happen here. I think that's what will happen. Welcome to Safety in uh, the Sports Writers tonight. If uh, That might be Nate. I'm not sure, but good to have you here with us tonight, Nate. We're kind of breaking it down. Uh, for you, those of you who just joined us, uh, Jim Beringer unable to make it tonight. Mark Mancini unable to make it, but we'll have Larry Sorensen in uh, Wake Forest color commentator at 745. And we'll talk uh, some uh, ACC football and Wake Forest's bowl game. We'll talk about the championship game a bit. And Michigan, his alma mater's uh, poor showing, unfortunately. And maybe the uh, we'll, we'll talk about the Jim Harbaugh situation with him as well. Get a few more comments here. Uh, well, Billy, I'll tell you what. Maybe I'll take your money. <laughs> I'm going to be betting Georgia come uh, Monday night. I'm almost certain something's going to have to, big is going to have to happen to change my mind. Um, now let's just hope we get through the game without any more problems. Allen can see it going to OT again. George will be ready. Um, and play a lot bit better. I, I certainly agree with that. And, and Bama, <laughs> he's got Bama breaking their hearts 24, 17 and overtime could happen. These are good football teams. You know, you know, Billy, you got a good point. I don't want to see OT either because guess what? Um, OT in college football is just awful. It's not even football. <laughs> Bitcoin. You know, it's funny, Rick. I told Carlos that you know, I can't, I can't get my head around Bitcoin. If I can't take it to the grocery store and buy, you know, milk and beer with it, then I don't want it. I, what am I going to do with it? So I will bet a million dollars in Bitcoin <laughs> on Georgia since it's not real anyway. There's nothing backing it up. Of course, there's nothing backing up the dollar either, but whatever. Um, 
So look at it. it's going to be an interesting. Uh, uh, uh... I can't take that call. I'd like wish I knew who that was, but um, it's going to be an interesting uh, a final for sure. But I do think George is going to prevail, break the glass ceiling that they've they haven't been able to get through against Alabama. Kirby Smart has everything riding on this. Kirby Smart cannot go down as a guy who could not win the big game. And he's going to start getting that. Well, he's getting that rep already, but it's time. This is his best team. He's got his best. He may not have his best quarterback. I'm not sure yet. Um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what they do. If they, Maybe they go after Caleb Williams. Who knows? To, to replace him. We'll talk a little bit about that later in the show maybe the 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 portal but yeah i should be at two and a half. i should be grabbing at two and a half right now i can't i look at i'm not i'm just in the shoe box you know the cigar box so i'm not really getting out there into the to the sports book world anymore that's for younger guys where am i watching the game probably right in my recliner uh, Billy, long weekend of professional football. I got an important Patriot game to watch on uh, Sunday afternoon late, and I got to go out for that game. Don't know where I'm going yet, but uh, Rick's Rick's got his money on Arch Manning. I know that. Uh, uh, don't worry, Rick. I don't need to write it down. I'm going to remember it because we've been you've been touting that for quite some time. What's he in sixth grade now? I don't even know what he is. Is he a? I'm kidding. He's a sophomore, or junior. I'm not even sure. Um, so he's a few years away from being able to get there. I, they can't wait for him. And I think uh, Bennett and uh, Daniel are both matriculating out of the the, uh, the the program this year. If I'm not wrong, Rick, you can probably correct me on that. But I'm going to be all over Alabama in this, or not all over, but I'm going to be all over Georgia in this game. And then we're going to see whether Kirby Smart can reload. And I, that's the key, right? If you want to be a great, great college coach, and these men should do it so far. I mean, this is a guy who did, couldn't find room for Josh Fields to play, for crying out loud. But I get one more comment, and then we're going to bring in uh, – Bring in our special guest, Larry Sorensen, one of our friends of the show. Williams Field Stable, Oklahoma. You and I talked about this, and we'll talk about it maybe a little with uh, maybe a little with Larry. I'm going to talk about the transfer portal a little bit, um, and we'll talk about it maybe before we end the show too. I have a feeling Williams may be going to USC, but we'll see what happens there. Without a, without further ado, though, let me welcome in one of the great friends of the show. Mr. Larry Sorensen, color analyst for the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, and out on the sales trail this week, I think, right? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, in Chicago, man, 13 degrees. I figured maybe if I started talking a little bit, I'd warm up. <laughs> Trying anything at this point. How's it going there? Is it going well? Give us a little, tell us what you're doing out there since, you know, I'm having you on. I might as well give you a little chance to pitch the product again. Hey, appreciate that. Uh, I'm here at the ABCA convention, the Baseball Coaches Association convention, where uh, about 5,500 different baseball coaches are going to converge at McCormick Place in Chicago. And uh, they it's their annual convention. They're going to be about 320 exhibitors. 
And a company that I work for, F5 Sports, has a product called Pitch Logic, which is a baseball that's got a circuit board inside that gives you all the spin rates and extension and uh, velocity, video capture, 3D graphics. You can chart pitches and everything. Really cool product. And, uh, and so we're here at the coaches convention going to try to move some baseballs to some coaches. That's awesome. And I, I, I got to make sure that I get it back on the, uh, the, the website for you again. I know when I first interviewed you way back when we did the interview show, um, we talked about the, uh, the, the product and it really looks like a cool product that, uh, that programs could certainly use. So get yeah. out the port. Pitch, pitchlogic.com. Go to pitchlogic.com. Uh, retails for $299, $299, but uh, it connects by, by Bluetooth to your telephone or to an iPad. And you can actually, you know, if you're from the ages of 12 to, well, we have major leaguers that use it before they go to spring training. And uh, you can record all of your pitches. You can see exactly all the different data that you get from it, arm, slot, all that great stuff. So really cool product. Cool stuff, and we'll certainly uh, talk more about that uh, going uh, forward when we have you on in the future. Well, I, I got to get you on a show. Rick Sherlock, uh, one of our uh, really good followers, brought it up that I got to get you on one of my Sunday shows to to talk a little bit about your thoughts about the baseball lockout and stuff. And we we might try to maybe we'll try to put that together here before it ends in the next uh, six six months or something. <laughs> well, Keith, you know me; I've got thoughts. You know. <laughs> I've yes, got opinions. We have to have you, and I know that uh, you're you're one of my uh, my followers' favorites uh, favorites on my show. So I appreciate that. So, well, let's jump into the reason we have you here. Let's. I want to talk to you a little bit about Wake Forest. You know, a nice win, great great job getting to the Gator Bowl and whatnot. How was it? I mean, you were there as Texas A and M backed out of this game. What was the feeling around the Wake Forest program as that was all coming down? You know, it was really interesting. And actually, I was in Winston-Salem getting ready to interview Dave Clawson. And I pulled up to practice and there was nobody at practice. And I said, well, this can't be good. Because you know? uh, usually I get him right after practice for, the, uh, for our pregame show. And there was nobody on the field, nobody indoors. So I texted him and he said, come on up to my office at noon. And I did. And this was on Wednesday, the week before. And he said, there's no sense doing this. In about an hour, we're probably going to announce that Texas A&M is gone. And I'll tell you what, Wake Forest really wanted to play. They really wanted to play in the Gator Bowl. They played in the first Gator Bowl ever. And so they had a special feeling for that. They really wanted to play the game. And uh, so they just said, we're here. We're ready to play. What kind of scenarios are there out there? And as it turned out, Rutgers, with the best APR that was available, wanted to play as well so it came down really to either Rutgers or uh Illinois and Rutgers was the first team up and uh, and Greg Shiano said yeah we'll play so a lot of credit to them they stayed in practice for about a week after because their finals weren't until the 22nd yeah. so they practiced a little bit more and the the main feeling was thank you Rutgers for coming you know we know that we should be favored because uh we've been practicing we've been preparing the team went into a regular weekly season mode instead of bowl mode, especially the staff. You know, they just started game planning right away. And uh, and all of a sudden, there was the game. Florida was beautiful, 84 degrees, very good football game. Wake came out with their 11th win for only the second time in school history. So uh, it was it was a really fun trip, a really good day. 
Yeah, and Rick talks about giving Rutgers some credit for playing a competitive game without a lot of prep or film time. So no doubt. And you know, I mean, think about this. They had their punters from Australia, and he flew home, got home, and when he got to Sydney, he looked at his phone and it said, "Looks like we're going to play in a bowl game. Can you get back?" And he had to quarantine for three days. And he jumped on a plane, flew all the way back to uh, to New Jersey, and got ready to play the game. They had, I think, two or three practices, something like that. And they came out and played. So big time tip of the hat to Rutgers and, uh, and for doing that. And first half was very competitive. And then just, you know, Wake Forest was a little bit better conditioned, a little bit better prepared, and uh, it took its toll. Yeah. Well, congratulations again to, to uh, the, the, the Dave Clawson and, and, the, and the school had a great their best season, I would say, at least win-wise, right? Best uh, record ever. But uh, Yeah, they won 11 one other time, but uh, this team was very special and raised the bar. The motto at the start of the year was good to great, and they all feel like they accomplished that. So terrific season. Hired a new defensive coordinator today, as a matter of fact. And uh, and that's a positive step as well. So yeah, talk to us about that, uh, his background and uh, where he's coming from. Well, Brad Lambert had been at Wake Forest before. And uh, he's a very, very dear friend of my broadcast partner, Stan Cotton. There, you know, I've heard about him for the last eight years. So, <laughs> so he's coming back. He had been, uh, he went to Charlotte and restarted their program there. Went to Purdue last year. And now Purdue is looking for their fourth defensive coordinator in as many years. And Brad Lambert will be coming to be the defensive coordinator at Wake Forest. Big reputation as a defensive guy and uh, has a lot of the same values. Part of the Wake Forest family from before. So it seems like a really, really good fit for everybody. Excellent. And what other uh, big changes can we see? I know, you know, we were talking a little about about the transfer portal, and I know that uh, I believe, uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the team's lost a player, but that has, hasn't really brought anybody in yet, um, or have they? Or, or are there guys on the horizon that you know about uh, in the portal? Or uh, Brought in one defensive player, a defensive lineman, and uh, slips my mind where he's coming in from. But they have a veteran, a grad transfer, Defensive lineman coming in. Um, the, the best news is Sam Hartman's coming back, you know, which is exceptional news. You get him for at least one more year. He's got two years of eligibility, but he passed for over 4,000 yards this year, had a great year. Uh, Christian Beal Smith entered the transfer portal, who was the number one running back of three. And, you know, if you think about the scenario, Kenneth Walker. Played a couple of years at Wake Forest, was one of the three running backs or two running backs that they would have used. He hit the transfer portal, went out, had himself a great year, and got ready for the NFL. Christian Beal Smith, going to go take a year, go to another school, try to find an offense that matches him. And so everybody moves up a step uh, on the on the totem pole. Got some really good freshmen coming in that will start filling in the backside, and it'll be the same routine next year. Let's keep two or three guys ready, healthy, good to go and and follow that program so do you feel like there's a chance the team takes a t- even a small step back or can they continue this uh, momentum with the with all these changes only going to lose six starters keith yeah. and uh, you know one of the things that they did they only signed 12 players because they knew that there were going to be a lot of guys coming back for an extra year virtually the entire offensive line just about is going to be coming back and so they uh and so they're very excited about the offense, in particular Donovan Green, who was expected to be the number one wide receiver, is uh, had a knee injury in the offseason, and he'll be back. So you probably you lose Ja'Cory Roberson, who's going to enter the pro draft, 
but you get uh, Donovan Green back, and they've got another freshman that is one of the highest-ranked uh, players that they've ever brought in. So future's looking good for Wake Forest in a nutshell, and I know you got lots of things you want to talk about besides Wake Forest too, but That's the future okay. looks good. Everybody's excited about Brad Lambert coming in to head up the defense because the defense was in triple digits overall last year, and if you cut that in half like he did with Purdue, then all of a sudden you're in pretty good shape. Absolutely. Now, a lot of other changes in the ACC as well, not necessarily in uh, in Wake Forest Division, but in the Coastal, there's four coaching changes, um, including a big one in Miami with uh, Marco uh, Cristobal coming uh, back to his uh, alma mater. Well, how do you think this is going to affect the league overall with with this turnover in the Coastal? And I mean, do you think it helps? Uh, the, do you think these changes are things that are going to make the league stronger as a whole, or, or how do you how do you foresee uh, what's going to happen here with these? You know, like anything else, when you make changes, you, you get better or you get worse. It seems like because it takes somebody a while to get their program in, and with all those changes, I suspect we'll see half of them get good, get better. Half of them maybe slide a little bit or or struggle a little bit. I think the big thing that's going to happen is Clemson will be good again. And even though they reach double figures again, I think that they'll be better. They'll have a different kind of intensity and that'll bring more prestige to the league. And you could hear it. You know, you could hear everybody saying that the conference isn't any good. So I think uh, Clemson will bounce back. They'll be very good again. I think Wake Forest is going to be very good. They'll be Atlantic, the uh, East and, and the Atlantic will be very, very tough again next year, especially. Yeah, and I don't think the 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 criticism against the ACC this year was fair. Just because Clemson's down doesn't mean the rest yeah. of the I mean, obviously Wake Forest had a really good year. Pittsburgh had a really really good year as well. Um, it was unfortunate in their bowl game. Uh, just since we're on that topic now, that you know, <laughs> the best two players on, on each team and uh, Pittsburgh and Michigan State both opt out of that game, yeah. which I'm really. And it brings me, you know, I'm going to go full circle. I'm going to go back to the Texas A&M uh, pulling out because it wasn't just a COVID situation with them. I mean, they had players that were hit the transfer portal. They had players that opted out, plus the COVID situation. I mean, something's got to happen to change some of this stuff so we aren't having all these great players not playing in the biggest games of the year. You know, really, it was a crapshoot all the way around. You know, you talk about the uh, the – ACC being a topsy-turvy league this year with Wake Forest winning the Atlantic Division and Pittsburgh winning the Coastal Division. Yep. We'll look around, look all around college football. You know, there were changes and turnovers every place in champions. But in the end, we're coming down to Alabama and Georgia. You know, So go figure that out. So the rich get richer. I think that, uh, I think that there are going to be Another year of equality before it really gets itself separated, which to me means another another season of any team can beat anybody on any given Saturday. And yeah. I think that's what we saw a lot of. And Dave Clawson, to his credit, said it in the summertime. He said, this has got a chance to be the greatest college football season we've ever seen. And boy, it was exciting. And there were there was a lot going on. No lack of stories. I mean, no. Cincinnati, you know, Cincinnati was such a great story, too. Yeah. No what happened Saturday. And we'll talk a little bit about the semifinal games in a second, but I want to get this. Uh, Alan's got a question about, uh, you know, talking about the ACC, what you think Miami and Florida State need to do to get back to where they have been in the past. I think Miami took a big step in, in the in the coaching change, but they need to keep kids home in, in my mind. Uh, but what are your thoughts about the, the status of those programs? Well, with Miami in the coaching change and in the athletic director change too, 
You know, I, th I think that they really established that they are going to take football and elevate it to a different level from what we're hearing about as far as the uh, as far as facilities go, as far as looking a little bit closer to campus to have their stadium so that they can get their students involved. One of the things that helped turn Wake Forest around was even though there's only about 5,400 undergrad students, they were getting 80% of them to come to the games. And it shows. You know, when you get that kind of rabid support, the team feeds on that. And when you sell out your stadium, even though it's it only holds 31,500, but it's full, you know, that kind of support really stands out for the players. And I think Miami has taken steps to bring that back and get some of that swagger back and, uh, and a good swagger it will be going forward. So I'm excited, and I love their quarterback. I think Van Dyke's going to be a heck of a player. I think he's going to be a really, really – and right now, ACC has the best quarterbacks in the country. Top yeah. to bottom, they have the best quarterbacks in the country. So I think that uh, Miami's going to be a terrific program. I think um, I think that Florida State just needs to get itself on track a little bit. They, they can't quite figure out – Sometimes it seems like who's running the ship there. You know, they've got they got a lot of chiefs in a lot of different areas that want to be uh, that want to be running the program from a, from an outsider's perspective. You know, that's what it, that's what it looks like to me. Always great athletes. You know, what, one of the last things that I do before I uh, go up to the broadcast booth to do the game is take a lap around the field, and you see more Florida State guys in shorties showing off the six-pack abs than any other school in the conference. They've got the athletes. They've got the players and uh, and the, the physical uh, talent. It's just they've got to get the program going in the right direction. And, and I like Norvell. I think he'll do a good job from everything that I've seen. And, uh, man, I think that they'll be fine. I, I, they probably need to be because he might be on one of the hotter seats in the conference if he doesn't do well next year, I'm thinking. Yeah, you know, and, and that's one of the problems, too. When you talked about getting things straightened out, one of the problems we've got going on is because of the signing day in December, we have had we have to make decisions on coaches earlier in the season. And so you're seeing guys that are on a five-game hot seat instead of a 12-game hot seat. You know, and in five games at the start of the year – it's hard to predict exactly what these 19 to 22 year olds are going to do and how it's going to come together for you. So it, it is a tough situation. There are some problems and some issues, but it sure was fun watching every Saturday or Friday night or Friday morning, whatever the case might have been during the course of this past season. What do you make of, uh, and we'll, since we're on the Florida State uh, topic, what do you make of them losing, you know, the number one recruit in the country, basically, to Jackson State and Deion Sanders? Well, Deion can talk now. Yeah. <laughs> Deion can sell ice to Eskimos. Yeah. So, so you know, and, and a great player and looks like he's going to be a really good coach, too. Obviously knows his football. You don't yeah. accomplish what he's accomplished by accident. And a lot of that, you know, a lot of that big display hides a lot of smarts and uh and football knowledge too so i was surprised that he went to the you know change divisions the way that guys have been jumping around here because of the coaching changes again is a little bit frustrating and and it's you know it's that domino effect it just goes all the way down the line and uh, little old wake forest just keeps plugging along in their little niche <laughs> and uh retaining players and i think that's one of the great things is you don't find a lot of guys transferring out you don't find wholesale changes they pretty well retain what they've got 
Good point. Talking about big boys, Alan's got another uh, point. We, we debate this a lot on this show, whether Notre Dame's going to need to join a conference at some point um, or whether they'll continue to fight to stay independent as long as they can because they get to uh, reap the rewards of that uh, big payday for TV and whatnot. But should Notre Dame have to join a conference, is, AC, is the ACC still the best fit for them? You know, I think as far as what's the best fit for him, yes, the ACC is. And uh, we had Jim Phillips, the commissioner, on our pregame a couple of weeks before the end of the season. And we talked about the brand that the ACC is trying to show. And, and it is the school with high academic standards that also has very good athletics. Student athlete comes first. You know, it, it's you talk to the coaches, and, and I, I run across players all the time in what I do, and baseball players. And, and the first thing that the, the uh, coaches at Wake Forest say is, what's his grade point? What are his test scores? They don't ask for pop times. They don't ask for batting averages. They don't ask for velocity. They ask, what are his grades like? Can we get him into school? And, and that's predominant around uh, the majority, the high majority of the league. I think Wake Forest absolutely, or uh, the ACC is absolutely the best fit for Notre Dame. I think that if they expand the playoffs, they're going to have to join a conference. I think that'll make a big difference. Yeah, they definitely probably will. Do you think, on that same in that same vein, I mean, do you think the ACC really should have held uh, Notre Dame over to barrel a little bit last year when uh, they were they were begging for some place to go play in a league so they could schedule games? You think the ACC should have played a little harder ball with them and tried to lock them in for something long term? Well, Notre Dame still got a pretty good hammer out there with that yeah. ND. You know, that's. Uh, yeah. And, and that big old dome that you look at every time that you that you go there. So they've got a lot of great things going for it. The fact that they compete in the ACC and the other sports, I think, makes it a really easy transition. You know, when you've got them in the other major uh, Olympic sports as well, competing and in basketball, you know, I think that that makes it an easy transition. And I do think that uh, we'll see it happen. My first question to Jim Phillips was, I know everybody asked you this, but we want to know the day, the time, and everything else. You know, be specific. And he dodged it very nicely. He tap danced, but I think eventually that's going to happen. Before we move out of the ACC, I got one comment here about Carson Catugno, the Amsterdam uh, 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 Rams, becoming a freshman pitcher with the Deacons this year. I know you're close to the baseball program. I don't know if you know about Carson or not, but uh, I'm assuming you will be. Uh, yeah, I, I know the I know the name. I know that they like him. And uh, they start up here in a couple of days. Uh, as a matter of fact, every Wake Forest pitcher took a pitch logic baseball home with them for the Christmas break so that the coaches could watch the numbers nice. as they were doing their bullpens in between. So, uh, yeah, they, you, they've got the pitching laboratory at Wake Forest, one of the best in the country. It's one of the things they pride themselves on, have a new pitching coach this year. Corey Mascara came from uh, Maryland to be the pitching coach. Amsterdam's been a nice connection. Yeah. That team has been a nice connection for the uh, for Wake Forest. So looking forward to seeing them uh, February 18th. First game's February 18th. Excellent. Back to back to football. Let's get, talk a little bit about uh, what we saw in the semis. We'll leave your alma mater to last. I know you don't probably want to go in there too much, but we got to talk about it a little bit. Let me talk. Let's talk about the Cincinnati-Alabama game. I mean, Alabama wins the game handily, but I don't think Cincinnati had anything to apologize for. I mean, they didn't play great on offense. Ritter had a tough game, but the defense played good for 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 two and a half quarters at least. You know, three quarters almost, and I think they just got worn out. Uh, because Cincinnati couldn't, the offense couldn't stay on the field. 
I mean, do you think that we're going to get to see these group of five teams more? Did Cincinnati equate themselves enough to give people hope? You know, I, I think that it played out kind of the way everybody thinks. Yeah, you play great football. But when you try to compete with the Power Five schools, the Power Five schools have more athletes. They have better depth. And it shows up. And, and it's what used to happen to Wake Forest playing NC State, North Carolina, and, the, and Clemson is the team with, as uh, Skip Prosser, the former basketball key, coach, used to say, the guys with the most NBA players win. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and in football, it's the same way. When you're sending eight, nine, ten guys to the NFL every year and the other schools are sending two, you know, you figure you can figure out a game plan for two. It's a lot harder to figure out a game plan to stop 10. And so it, it becomes depth. It becomes who stays healthiest for the entire season, which stars have good games on, the, you know, who plays up to the way they're supposed to play every single day. And, and that's what it comes down to. So I think that it played out the way, the way most people expected. They competed. They made a good showing. In the end, there just wasn't quite enough. And I think the other thing that makes a difference is if you take some of those uh, – the group of five schools and make them play the bigger schools with the higher budgets and the better facilities and the better training facilities and the better nutritionists yeah. and everything else that goes into it these days. I think that when you do that week after week, after week, after week, it wears you down. Your guys get hurt. Your guys get tired. Wake Forest's entire focus this year was keep more players healthy longer. And they hired a guy from the NFL that monitored practices and, and all the teams are doing that now. And when you don't have the budget for it, you just can't keep up. Good point. Good point. I really think Luke Fickle in this, in this specific game, I was surprised he wasn't a little bit more aggressive on a couple of the fourth downs he had early in the game. I thought he could have changed the tone if he really pushed the envelope. He would have had to be successful. And no, we're not, we don't, we don't have crystal ball. We don't know if he would have been kicked a field goal once, punted a ball another time. And, I don't know. I just I just felt like in, in their situation, they really had to take it to Alabama, and I don't think they did where they You could. know, I'm I'm a Monday morning quarterback to the point of take the points where you can get points. Yeah. You know, if you can get sure points, take points because you always need points. And then the other thing that I'm absolutely sure of is Luke Fickle knows a hell of a lot more about football than Larry Sorensen does. <laughs> <laughs> I won't argue there for myself either. So and and you know, I, I listen to people with the funky offense that Wake has, and they say, don't you think they should have? And I said, those guys in that room know a thousand times more about it than you do. So, you know, that's yeah. the way it goes. Rick does point out. It was interesting when you saw them come out for the game, man. Yeah. They looked like men against boys in some of those uh, in some of those matchups. So, but, you know, I, yeah, like I said, the guys wearing shorties. Which yeah. team has more shorties coming off, coming out of the locker room when they come out for the pregame warm-up? Take your, take a pretty good bet that's a team that's going to win. Agreed. So let's move on to the other game. Who, the team I think will win the national championship, Georgia, and your uh, Michigan Wolverines. Michigan got off to a pretty bad start here and could not recover. Uh, an exceptional year, no matter how you look at it. But what was your take on the semifinal game? Uh, I think Georgia's overall team speed was unbelievable. I mean, they were flying around the play both sides of the ball. They were flying. They have better team speed, uh, more athletes. You know, I, I think they showed that they had more athletes. They found a way to contain Hutchinson pretty nicely and uh, kept him from making any, you know, he made some good plays, but it was a, it was an average game for him. And if, if you can keep the stars to an average game, 
you know, then, then you've got a pretty good chance of shutting them down. And uh, I think that tip your hat to Georgia. They played better. They had a better team uh, that day anyway. And uh, it should be a good should be a good national championship. I'm not so quite so sure about Georgia over Alabama, though. I just hope it's a really good football game. I think we will get a good game. I really do. Yeah. Uh, you know, and going back to Michigan real quick. I mean, the, the, their strength was running the ball, and Georgia's defensive lines are their strength. So yeah. the, their strength outweighed the Michigan's at, at the end of the day. So yeah, they had they had more they had more horses. So, so since that game, uh, the whispers have started to get louder that uh, Jim Harbaugh may be considering a move back to the NFL. I don't know if you hear anything from your uh, your people at Michigan. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? And uh, does does he think he's peaked at what he can do at Michigan, and or does he just have an urge to get back to the NFL, or none of the above? Yeah, I talked to somebody that's really close to to Harbaugh the other day, and he said that. Uh, you know, he really loves Michigan. It, he loves everything about it. Feels like there's still work to be done. That would that would point towards him coming back then. Yeah, yeah. Be good for the Michigan folks, I'm sure. But you know, it's it's 2000. You know, it's 2022 now. 2021 was upside down. Let's see, 2020 was upside down. Yeah. Uh, who knows? It's it's uh, it's it's really uh, bizarre trying to figure it all out these days. If he is interested, I think there's a couple of teams with that, that have some quarterbacks that he might be interested in taking, and they're looking for coaches. Uh, the Chicago Bears and the Raiders come to mind. Yeah, yeah. have an interest, there's going to be an interest in him potentially. Well, and there's going to be a quarterback controversy probably in the fall at Michigan too. So how much does he want to deal with that? You know, and he likes to be in control, and I think he found out that you got to kind of share some things. Yeah a little bit at the college level. And I thought he did a great job of doing that. I thought he had a terrific year as, as a head coach uh, for the university of Michigan, lost his defensive line coach to USC. And uh, that's kind of an interesting side story as well. The guy yeah. that uh, coached those two great defensive linemen. Yeah. It's similar to what we talked about with, with wake and with Cincinnati. I mean, just because Michigan isn't going to the national championship game and not going to win it, it's still a pretty successful season when you win the Big Ten for the first time in 17 years. You beat Ohio State for the first time, at least in Jim Harbaugh's uh, tenure. So it's not a bad year. I would think as a Wolverine fan, you overall, you've got to be very happy. Absolutely. And I think most people are, except that, you know, we've come to be such a uh, short-term gratification society that you didn't win the national championship. It wasn't a good year, you know. Uh, yeah. there, are, there are people in the Wake Forest family that say, well, maybe not so great because, you know, you did lose some games there. And let's be realistic. There's only one team that wins that last game. There's only one team that wins the last World Series game, you know, and uh, you can have a great season. And by all accounts, Wake Forest overachieved. Their, Cincinnati overachieved. There are a lot of teams that people predict you to finish fifth, sixth, seventh in your conference. And you pop up and you finish second. And that's a pretty darn good year. For yeah. what everybody thought you were going to have, and you know, I, I'm not sure why people can't appreciate a little bit more uh, the teams that do have success and go places nobody thought they would go, and then all of a sudden we get greedy and we say, "Well, you're undefeated at eight and zero, so why can't you go fourteen and zero and win the national championship?" You know, and uh, you got to be realistic. 
You know, it's funny. I, I'm a big proponent for expanding the playoff, but so, there's times where I go, you know, maybe we should just go back to the bowl system and pick, let the writers pick a winner and let everybody argue about it all summer long, right? But uh, I don't know. It's probably not the right answer, but there were a lot of teams that were happy at the end of the season when you won the Rose Bowl, you won the Orange Bowl, you won the Cotton Bowl, right? Yeah, it, it's just changed so much. We've We've become so winner-oriented you know, winner, W-I-N-N-E-R, oriented, that unless you do, you're a loser, yeah. you know, by definition. And that's not always true, I don't think. Good point. Larry, listen, you brought a lot of great insight to us this year, and I appreciate you coming back on. I will reach out to you if it's okay and see if we can get you on our Sunday uh, stream of consciousness show one day as we as we moved into baseball a little bit, because I think this thing's going to linger a little, and I want to get your opinion and I know my folks want to see your opinion or hear your opinion on it as well. So I agree. It is going to linger for a while. Do you do a summer broadcast? Do you do baseball stuff or just baseball, uh, Sunday on, on my Sunday uh, stream of consciousness show? I do a lot. We do a lot of baseball as we get into the season. So, well, I'll be around and, uh, and try to keep my ear to the ground for you. I will uh, be reaching out to you soon because I don't want this thing to end before I get your comment on it. I don't think it's going to end anytime soon myself. But uh. they aren't even talking, from what I'm understanding. So it's uh, it's a mess. It, it, you know, it always is. It, and then there's a breakout, and two days later, there's a deal done. So yeah. who knows? Until they sit down, nothing's going to happen, right? That's so. right. That's right. Larry, thanks for for everything you brought to our college football uh, season. You've really, really made this a lot of fun, and uh, I thank you, and I can't wait till we can do it next year, and we'll get your baseball insights on our uh, Sunday show as well. Appreciate it. Had a couple of your followers reach out to me as well, and I appreciate that. Awesome. Uh, you know, stay in touch. All right. Thanks again, Larry. You bet. Bye-bye. The great Larry Sorensen from uh, Wake Forest University, the color uh, analyst for the Wake Forest football team, and also, uh, the baseball team, and he'll be seeing uh, Carson Catuno uh, pitch for the Demon Deacons here in just a few weeks. So uh, congratulations to Carson, and uh, good luck on his college career as it begins. Uh, just to kind of get back to a few things, I, I don't remember what we were talking about when, when we brought Larry in, but a lot of good stuff from Larry. I know a lot of you guys have, uh, and Rick, uh, I know Rick, I think you were one of the guys he, uh, Larry mentioned uh, reach out to him. Um, and that was certainly very, very appreciative. So, uh, I don't know, uh, Alan was a right pitcher that got drafted to Texas. I'm not really sure about that, uh, to be honest with you, but we can, uh, maybe talk to Larry about that uh, when we get him on a Sunday show. And we will to talk about the baseball situation. Larry's a great guy. Larry, by the way, for those of you who may not know, and maybe our Roku audience, uh, who hasn't seen the show all year long or seen some of the interviews, Larry, Larry was, a, was a really good major league baseball pitcher back in the uh, uh, 70s and uh, early 80s uh, with the Brewers and the Cardinals and, and a few other teams. Um, and I certainly remember him from that time. Um, but Larry's been a good, good friend to this show, and uh, I thank him a lot for all that insight. Um, what else we got tonight, guys? Uh, we got uh, about 16 minutes left. We got to make sure we stay on target now because this show has an hour and a half window for Roku. And again, it will air on Roku on uh, the Northeast Streaming Sports channel. Uh, on this show will air uh, tomorrow on Thursdays at noontime. Uh, our Are You Serious uh, show from uh, Friday mornings with the Mad New Yorker will air 
Uh, we'll still do it live at 8 a.m., but it will air on Roku at 11 a.m. on Fridays. And the Sunday Stream of Consciousness will still do live on uh, Facebook and all the other outlets at 9 a.m., but it will air at noon on the Roku channel for those of you uh, who will be watching this later on Roku and want to know what the schedule will be. And also on demand, you'll be able to catch the TGI Sports Talk uh, weekly vlogs and any interviews I do. I do want to get back into doing some interviews um, as we go forward, and uh, we're going to probably do them and air them uh, um you know, as one-off specials. It's, it's just getting hard to get guests, as I mentioned. So it's a lot of fun. So let's see. Um, off topic, Washington's new name apparently got leaked. And Alan says it's the Admirals. I had not heard that story. But, um, you know, we'll certainly, if that's been leaked, we'll probably know more about that when we uh, when we do our show on Sunday morning. And we can certainly talk about it then. And we'll get more into baseball, as Larry mentioned, uh, as well on Sundays. Uh, it, we've, we do do some baseball, but right now there's no baseball to talk about. So but we'll talk about the, the lockout with Larry. And once college is over, the NFL is over, you know, we got to talk about some other stuff, not just the NBA. I, I like the NBA. It's okay, but I can't talk about it for two hours, right? We're going to morph this show a little bit, by the way. We'll be talking probably full college football for another week or so, but – we're going to start getting into a little bit of college basketball so that we can continue the show um, and we'll keep it a college themed show. Um, so we'll talk about college basketball um, and uh, who knows, maybe even some college hockey as we go down the road. I haven't thought about it uh, too much, but I did have that pop in my head the, this evening. So we'll start diving into that as, as we wrap up the college football season in the next few years, you know, let me talk about one thing. I talked a little bit about opt-outs and I talked about uh, Pickett opting out for Pittsburgh and Walker opting out for Michigan state. And, you know, I I'm having trouble getting my head around something and I'd love to hear your guys comments and views on this thing. Um, what I don't get is let's just take Pickett and he's not the only guy opted out of uh, the peach bowl with Pittsburgh against Michigan State, ostensibly to stay healthy, I guess, and protect himself. Why that game would have been any more dangerous than the, uh, you know, 13 he played before it, I don't know. But now he's playing in the Senior Bowl, which is the uh, preeminent bowl, you know, for, for scouts from the NFL to get you. The, the coaching staffs are NFL are staffs and, and whatnot. Well, geez, he could get hurt that week. So I this whole opt-out thing has got – something's got to get put into place. Somebody – and I don't know if it's Anthony or Alan or or one of you guys. Uh, <laughs> that's a good one, Bill. I'm going to put that up in a second. Um, one of you guys had mentioned that it, with the, all the NIL money around, don't get, don't pay them if they don't play the season. If you get hurt, I get it. But if you're going to just opt out and then you're going to play in the senior bowl, take their money back. Billy with a really good line here. Uh, Antonio Brown opted out. <laughs> Antonio Brown, look at, I try to be sympathetic to people and, and mental illness is nothing to laugh about. Right. But, and this guy's not right. <laughs> He's just not right. I mean, he basically needs to opt out of the, the human race for crying out loud. This guy's gotten every break, every break. 
And what he, the stunt he pulled uh, Sunday was just ridiculous. And after he probably should not have been brought back anyway with the with the ridiculousness he did with his COVID test, fake COVID tests, and all that other nonsense. Um, good grief, right? Yes, you're right, Rick. Hopefully forever. And and again, I I, I <clears throat> mental health is a is a very important thing and but go get some help and tom brady you, everybody here knows how much i love tom brady stop enabling antonio brown you made excuses for him after this event don't do it anymore tom stop please saturday eight of the ten big 12 basketball teams have double digit wins nice now we're getting into conference play. That's when I get interested, really, Alan. I, so I haven't – I was going to start morphing into this a little bit, and it's very hard to do because an hour and a half, we really we really fit a lot of information in, I thought, these last uh, – I don't know when we started this show, three months ago, four months ago, um, in this hour and a half. They wanted me to cut this back to an hour, Um to fit the Roku schedule and do it live. And I, I would prefer to have it air afterwards and keep the hour and a half because I don't think an hour we can do justice for some of the, a lot of the topics that we covered on this show. And uh, the thing's going to come when we start talking about uh, college basketball, because uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of stories to talk about. So, uh, you know, that's, that's the deal. And uh I do want to get into that, and it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. Big 12 is a really good conference, obviously. Um, I'm I'm a big Big East fan. I'm a St. John's fan. I know there's a lot of Syracuse fans probably in in, in our audience here locally. Um, and the college game is such a better game than uh, than the pro game right now. You know, it, I just wish kids would stay longer. Well, it's, you know, it's it's a little both, Rick. I mean, there's definitely there's no, there's no doubt in my mind that he's an entitled uh, idiot, um, as a lot of them are, not just in sports, by the way. I run into it every day with 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 the people that I run across, you know, in in the real life work, you know, and it's a it's a generational thing, and I hate to I hate to be I hate to be like that, but it it's just it isn't the way it used to be people want everything and they want it all now and antonio brown's been that way since he came into the league but there's still something else not there's something wrong with this guy i mean he's not all there there's some people saying that you know he's never been the same since he took the hit against uh the cincinnati linebacker there burkett uh i'm probably saying his name wrong if you remember on that i think it was a thursday night game it was an ugly ugly hit and that he might have, you know, early signs of CTE and stuff, whatever. But whatever it is, the man needs help, and the man doesn't need to be playing in the NFL. You know, so I think it's a combination of things, to be honest with you. I didn't want to stay in the NFL thing here, but since I opened the door, he is a good talent. I mean, he's, a, he's an amazing talent. And it's ha this has happened to a lot of guys uh, throughout sports history who had a ton of talent and wasted it, um, you know, with their attitudes or their or their uh, habits. Um, it's it's a sad situation. It really is. Um, 
I was going to talk about something here before we wrap up. We still got about uh, five minutes or so before I want to wrap it up. Uh, if you guys got any last comments you want to bring up, again, I will be picking Georgia over Alabama. If I change my mind, you'll know by Sunday, but I will be laying the points. I'm hoping to get two and a half in that uh, in the cigar box uh, on uh, Monday. So we'll see how that goes. By the way, I am on a all-time horrible run. Um, not even a month ago, I was at the top of the uh, collection standings <laughs> in the cigar box. And today... I stand second from the bottom, so it's been a it's been a tre- tremendous run of bad luck and bad choices by yours truly. Um, but that's another story. And this college football bowl season has not helped me. I should have stayed away from all these games. It's impossible to know who the heck is playing. It's impossible to know, you know, who's opted out in every game. And it's just I should just stayed away from it. Uh, Booger McFarland said he would never trust him as a teammate. I, I, I agree. We're going to get off of him now. Mel Kuyper might have put his foot his first mock draft this month. Uh, curious to see where he has Pickett. Well, this is a good topic and one we will be tackling uh, certainly as we go through the, uh, the spring months. Heck, you know, by the time we get the final next week, we're only going to be what? 90 days away from the draft or something. Again, I went to Perth. My math isn't great. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Pickett is the quarterback. uh, So we'll be talking a lot in the coming weeks about the draft. Um, We'll look at some of the mock drafts. I'm not going to dive too much into them, uh, you know, too far deep into them. We'll look at some of the top picks and whatnot. And we'll look at some of the rankings by position and, We'll get your guys' uh, uh, comments about uh, and thoughts about where you think certain guys ought to go, where they might fit best. Pickett's really the Pickett and, and probably Lewis are the two best quarterbacks coming out. Sam Howell's announcing how that he's coming out uh, from North Carolina, but you know this wasn't his best year. It's a very weak quarterback class this year. Pickett's probably the best player in it, and I mean, if I'm a Steeler fan. I'm trying to get myself positioned where I can pick him. Mr. Jennings saved most of us, but did he do us any favors, Rick? (laughs) Uh, I think, you know, there's this thing on on Facebook I see a lot where there's a guy and he goes, another day without using algebra. It's a good thing because I can't do it. My marketing manager at work always says he does all my algebra for me. That's why I don't do any algebra. (laughs) When it comes to formulas on Excel spreadsheets and stuff, I always steal his formulas for my own. Um, Anyway, as far as the draft goes, this will be an interesting draft because I don't think you're going to see, you know, five quarterbacks go in the first 15 picks or whatever we had last year. Yeah. I think you're going to see a lot of defensive uh, linemen, a lot of offensive linemen go early this year. Yeah, the UCF uh, quarterback did transfer to Oklahoma. Was it Oklahoma? I uh, probably don't have my – let me see if I can quickly. I don't know if I got time for this, Alan, or not. Let me see. I did see – I did see this story. Let me see if it's still on the uh, headline page here. If not, I got quarterbacks up. 
Um, I do know the UCF uh, quarterback transferred. I just don't know where he transferred to. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, yes. Dylan Gabriel transferred to Oklahoma. Another sign to me that maybe Caleb Williams will go. We started on that. We'll end with – I started to get to that Caleb Williams uh, story. A lot of, still a lot of pretty big names quarterback-wise in the uh, in the portal, uh, in the, not just quarterbacks, but in general. Caleb Williams and Casey Thompson are the two big names that are still out there uh, that have not signed along with Emory Jones from Florida, uh, Robbie Ashford from Oregon. Caleb Williams is the most intriguing case, though, as he, uh, you know, it, it's a little different uh, for him. And I think it's because I think he's there, be, entered that portal because the guy who recruited him has left town. And this is the situation where I can I can see guys going. But I think Caleb Williams is seriously considering a move to USC to play again for Lincoln Riley. That's what I'm thinking. So anyway, guys, we're going to wrap up this show. And uh, I, pr- I appreciate it. All your guys' comments, Alan, uh, uh, Anthony, Rick, Billy, uh, Mickey, Mark Robertshaw. Uh, who else has been here? I'm trying to scan through. Even you bots that I had to block. Um, thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. Everybody that will see this later on on Roku, thanks for watching. Hope you'll watch some of our other shows. And also, uh, stay tuned on Wednesday nights. We'll still be coming to you with college sports. Still going to have football as our lead uh, and basketball and maybe even some hockey for you hockey fans. So, Keith Engel for TGI Sports Talk College Football Huddle. You have a great night. We're right here on the Northeastern Sports Network and Roku. Enjoy your evening. We'll see you soon. Have a great night, guys.